0: There are very few wineries in the world that have got contiguous collection of old wine going back to the 19th century. And it just absolutely blew me away that a winery could have the vision to put down a barrel for a hundred years and uh, the opportunity for a generation or two or three generations in the future. ...to taste the fruits of 19th century labour. Absolutely amazing that Sepult's Field is a really, really special place. And in many respects, it defines the story of the Barossa Valley... ...and its ambitions for the future. Because the Sepult's were extraordinary people... ...with extraordinary hopes and aspirations... Listening to Andrew Cayard, and this podcast is a story about Seppeltsfield, one of the greatest wineries of the Barossa Valley. South Australia was established in 1836, and soon after, uh, one of the uh, pioneers of the region, Colonel William Light, who was the Surveyor General of South Australia, uh, took a party. Uh, northwards of Adelaide, to seek uh, agricultural land for future pioneers. And after some days, he arrived in this beautiful wooded uh, area, which he named the Lindock Valley and the Barossa Ranges. And today, this region is known as the Barossa, or more commonly known as the Barossa Valley. The first settlers into this region were english pioneers but soon after the region attracted uh, a whole community of silesian immigrants who were escaping persecution from what is now eastern europe and this community was financed by william angus who was a visionary um, pioneer for south australian and they called this place new silesia joseph seppelt was very different from all the other Silesian settlers who had established small farms in the Barossa Valley, he arrived with his family from from Silesia from the same place, but unlike many of the other settlers, he was very wealthy. He was had been a tobacco merchant um in Silesia and he had a lot of capital behind him. And so he was able to buy a lot of land and he was able to invest in buildings, vineyards, and uh, was able to establish a going concern very early on. But what happened was he when he planted tobacco, he found that the climate really wasn't suited to tobacco. So he looked for other crops that were more suitable for the warm, dry climate that the Barossa Valley was known for. And so he moved towards planting vines and starting to make wine. And I think that uh, what is so interesting about the Sepult's story is that it absolutely defines the zeitgeist of the times of the mid-19th century, from the Sailing Age to the Steam Age, and industrialization, uh, organisation, better social standards, and also better hygiene. Joseph Sepult and his son Benno Sepult built this uh, Sepult's winery complex, uh, or a remarkable model of 19th century ambition, um, which was all about a kind of post-revolutionary philosophy of uh, agriculture in which if you created a place like this, uh, it would also, it would generate an economy. When you look at the buildings around today and you look at um, the history of modern winemaking, it it is a remarkable thing. And it's very reflective of the ideas of winemaking, Around the world, winemaking was very much a cottage industry until around the 1850s, 1860s. And this is the point about um, Sepult's Field. And when you're talking about industrialization and fine wine, the two words don't mix very well. But the truth is, is that modern wine is an industrialised product um, in the sense that to be able to to, to create um, a wine business that is effective. You have to. Um, you have to make uh, wine um, with scale. It wasn't really until the second generation, with Benno Seppel, he was well known for his his um, you know polish, and he was a very very smart, uh, intelligent man with uh this incredible ambition to build what his father had built before him Um, but of course he had more resources because technology had improved he really did take sepult's field from a moderate sized winery into the largest winery in the world it had over a million gallons of wine in its storage in 1900 and it exported a lot of its wine and it wasn't only um, fortified wine, which is, it was, it has become best known for in more recent times. But it also exported a lot of table wine into the British Commonwealth and established itself as this extraordinary piece of uh, modern winemaking. It wasn't really until the 1860 that machine machine made bottles were invented, and that of course meant that you could run things down a bottling line. But also, it meant that when the wines had already been made, rather than sending the wines by by cask um, all the way to to, to Europe or, or or elsewhere, you could export in bottles. And also, because of the steam steamships, you could expect to get the wines safely to their destination um, very very quickly. Fast forwarding today. Uh, when I think of Warren Randall, uh, he's almost like a sepult. Um, you know, the same energy, the same belief that um, of in the future, um, the same extraordinary uh, risk-taking that the sepults did um, in building something into something really special. So when I look at sepults field today and um, look at the way that they have, um, have developed the place. It is quite extraordinary. And one of the centerpieces of uh was is the 1888 Gravity Flow Winery, which um, was absolutely at the cutting edge of winemaking technology at the time. A gravity flow built up against a hill and that Gravity Flow Winery has been renovated, it's been steel lined, and it is now fully in operation again. That is a fragment of a 19th century ambition that is, is continuing uh, with, because of the belief of, uh, of Warren Randall that, uh, that he can redefine the Sepult's field name in, the modern, in modern times. In 1878, uh, after Joseph Sepult died, Benno Sepult decided that he would put down a cask of tawny port and said to everybody, These casks are not to be bottled for another hundred years. And so the 1878 it was topped up fairly regularly because the evaporation rate over 100 years is quite a lot. So, so the original car scots get smaller and smaller and smaller as they, they're topping up with the same vintage. Over a period of time, these, these vintage tawnies become more and more concentrated and thicker and gluggier like treacle. Um, but they still have this freshness because of the brandy spirit. And, uh, and then they're bottled 100 years later and we get to, to enjoy them. The Seppelt family had this incredible vision, not only for themselves, but for their community. And so when the region um, found itself in recession, they also employed labourers to plant uh, uh, over a thousand date palm trees down the avenues around Seppeltsfield, uh, of which they all stand today, uh, and also doing other work around the place. Um, because the Seppelt family really did believe that there was a massive future for Australia. That is what makes Sepult's Field such an important uh, part of Australia's fine wine narrative. One of the one of the cornerstones of the Field story is the wonderful Sepult's Field para liqueur tawnies, which were first released in 1978 but they have a history that goes back to the 19th century because Benno Sepult when his dad died decided to honor him by putting down a cask of vintage tawny um, every year but not to be bottled for a hundred years after it had been laid down and when you actually consider the whole turmoil of the Australian wine industry and the changes of ownership from family companies to corporate companies, and sometimes in the case of Seffoldsfield, from family to corporate, from corporate back to family again, you know, there's always a bit of buccaneering and all sorts of you know, kind of things that corporates do, particularly in. Um, in trying to 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 keep the businesses afloat, and they could for int- have instance, uh, have sold all of that wine off um, during the very difficult times of the of the 80s and 90s, but they didn't, and and so this extraordinary legacy still exists. And I remember tasting the 1878 wine for the first time and thinking, what. An extraordinary experience, and I think that's one of the great things about this particular particular wine, which is now um, it's it really is the cornerstone of the of the story, and uh, it is considered as one of the great Australian collectibles, and it's classified by the uh, Langtons Auction House um, in its Langtons classification of Australian wine as exceptional. Because it is one of Australia's most important fragments of the 19th century, and it's not only a surviving 19th century fragment, it's a living 19th century fragment. So by, by 1905, Sepult's Field was the largest wine business in Australia with uh, exporting wines to the various states um new south wales victoria western australia etc and also exporting uh, quite a lot of wine overseas as well uh, it had over a hundred million gallons of wine in storage which is extraordinary and joseph sepult planted grape varieties that we know today in the barossa particularly mataro shiraz and grenache and of course sepult's field is now making some great table wines from these varieties Benno Seppelt was an extraordinary man, and I think that anyone who would look at the history of South Australia would have to say that he was one of the most remarkable men of his generation. He was described as an inventive genius, and uh, his grasp of detail and prompt and exact business methods were hugely admired by his contemporaries and by other leaders of, uh, of the states or of the colony. By the late 1800s, uh, Sepulch's Field was regard- regarded as the finest of its kind and approaching the finest growths of Europe. And I think that's one of the points that should be made about Australian wine, and particularly of Australian wine in the 19th century. Today, Australia is renowned for a lot of its um, volume brands. During the 19th century, Australia had a premium, a very, very strong premium edge. And the wines were hugely admired by the commentators of the time for their authenticity, for their richness, for their volume, for their longevity, for their potential as really fine wines. And what I think is so exciting about Sepulchfield today is the ambition of Sepulchfield is to bring back that optimism and that belief that uh, the Barossa Valley, which is already doing a lot of other wineries are doing, but the Barossa Valley generally is one of the great wine regions of the world and can produce some of the greatest wines in the world. information on the remarkable history of field Sepultzfield. visit sepultsfield.com.au this podcast was read by andrew kayard sound designed by declan diacono at clang studios music by james greville and produced by Christoph priddle